My name is Ian Urbina. I've reported on some pretty mind-blowing stories, but nothing like what happens at sea. If they got within 800 metres, that is when we would fire warning shots. Murder, slavery, human trafficking, and staggering environmental crimes. Men have told me that they've been beaten with stingray tails, with chains. If you really want to understand crime, start where the law of the land ends. The Outlaw Ocean. Available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. A coroner's inquest into the mass stabbings at James Smith Cree Nation in Saskatchewan is underway. In early September of 2022, Miles Sanderson killed 11 people on the First Nation and in the nearby village of Weldon. 17 others were injured. Sanderson died in custody a few days later. Sam Sampson is a national reporter with CBC News. She is in Melford, Saskatchewan, covering this inquest. A warning, some of what you are about to hear may be disturbing. Sam, good morning. Good morning. Before we get to this inquest, just take us back to the 4th of September, 2022. Briefly just remind us of of how the events of that day and the days after unfolded. Yeah, and we received quite a quite a lengthy reminder too over this inquest. So it was a really frantic start on that morning. Um, uh, so Miles Sanderson and his brother Damien were together in James Smith Cree Nation, and the two went to Damien's own house looking for his wife, Sky Sanderson. She was not there, uh, but the brothers tore apart the bedroom. They barged into other rooms looking for her. They didn't find her, but they did find one of Damien's daughters who he kissed goodbye. And then they left. And then the assault started, first at the home of a man named Martin Moustus, who was the first person to call 911. Miles attacked him with scissors and then a kitchen knife. But Damien stepped in and forced Miles out of the house. So then the two get in a vehicle. Miles was driving. And RCMP say that the brothers fought. And Miles stabbed Damien, who was in the passenger seat. Damien somehow got out, fled from the road, went into a nearby bushed area, and he died there from his injuries. Now, after that attack on his own brother, Miles did not stop at all. It only took two hours for all of this to unfold. So he went from house to house, either on foot or in a stolen vehicle. Miles attacked people he knew and associated with his victims. And at some homes, he would ask for keys from people, and sometimes he would attack them. Other times he wouldn't. So we we heard a really frantic um, and seemingly sporadic uh, uh, events that all unfold, unfolded. Now that first nine one one call I mentioned, it came in around five forty in the morning. RCMP arrived as the attacks continued, but Miles fled the First Nation, eventually heading to a village called Weldon, where he stabbed a man in his own home. And then, if you remember from that time. Miles disappeared. Mm. So that was a Sunday morning. And then over the next few days, all three prairie provinces received public emergency alerts about the stabbings. And then on Wednesday, September 7th, RCMP spotted the truck Miles was in. They chased him down into a ditch on the side of a Saskatchewan highway and arrested him. But before, or rather after going into police custody, Miles died. And so that was four days of terror. And I remember uh, a time of anxiety, people describing fear, and especially grieving for those who were killed. It was a, a, a horrific four days, as you've said. Mm-hmm. Um, the inquest has heard from from a criminal investigative psychologist about Miles Sanderson. What have we learned about him? Yeah, this was really 
probably the first time, Matt, that we got to look into Miles Sanderson's uh, past and his mindset. So just a few days ago on Friday, that criminal investigative psychologist shared his behavioral hypothesis. And because Miles died, um, he wasn't able to diagnose him and interview him himself. So this was kind of a postmortem report using corrections and parole documents, really to suggest what kind of mental illnesses Sanderson may have lived with. And so this psychologist, his name is Matthew Logan, uh, he told the inquest that he's written two other reports like this before. One for the man who went on a mass shooting in Porta Peak, Nova Scotia in 2020, and then the man who shot and killed four Mounties in Marathorpe, Alberta in 2005. So he's only written three reports of this type. And this psychologist suggested Sanderson lived with antisocial personality disorder. So that's someone who doesn't have a lot of impulse control. They're really only looking out for themselves. And as well as intermittent explosive disorder. Now, that is a combination that the psychologist said left Miles really quick to anger. He was very controlling. And at one point, while Sanderson was in custody during his life, he took a psychopathy test that assesses lifestyle, emotion, other factors. Um, they call it the PCLR test. And Miles scored 33 out of 40, which to me sounds high. And yeah, the psychologist confirmed that is high. He explained that Sanderson was in the top 6% of the Canadian male prison population in terms of his risk to violently reoffend, mm. based on that testing. And we also heard from a staff sergeant from Ottawa, from the National RCMP headquarters, he's in charge of profiling and threat assessment. He testified that in Miles' mind, he had a plan. He wanted to kill and hurt people people that he had a grievance with and people who were associated with those people he had a grievance with. Um, and he also hurt people who tried to stop his rampage, including his brother and then that elderly man who lived in Weldon. The inquest has also heard from, from his former common law partner, Vanessa Burns. What did she say? What do we learn from her, her about, about their relationship and about Miles Anderson? Yeah, I have to take a really deep breath when I recall this because this was really raw testimony. Yeah. It took two hours for Vanessa and she recounted her relationship of about 14 years with Miles Sanderson. Um, how just bef months before they started, or rather months after they started dating, he started physically and emotionally abusing her. And she reported him to police 12 times and he was charged with assault multiple times, but Vanessa told the jury she dropped the charges for Miles' sake, that she thought she wanted him around for their five kids, but also because he made her feel guilty. And she said that often, that he would manipulate her into making her feel crazy. She also described him as really angry, whether he was sober or intoxicated, uh, that he was jealous, he was controlling. And we heard a few examples from other testimony. This is hard to hear, how Miles seemed to snap and hit Vanessa even while she was pregnant. Um, she also shared what happened in the weeks before the stabbings, which is important. So weeks beforehand, Vanessa was driving Miles around James Smith so he could sell cocaine. And then two days before the stabbings, Vanessa wanted to go. She told him she wanted to go home. Shortly after that, Miles started to emotionally abuse her while she drove. So she said she punched him in the face because he wouldn't stop. And then he started beating her while she was driving. Eventually, she pulled up to a house in James Smith. And we heard that one of their own children alerted Damien, Miles's brother. He came in, broke up the assault, eventually bringing Miles out for a drive to try to cool him off. And that was the last time either of their partners saw them alive. One of the things we heard in the wake of this tragedy from the community is, is criticism for the RCMP for the delay in sending out emergency alerts. An RCMP employee testified on Friday. What, what has the inquest learned about those alerts and, and whether, whether those concerns were justified? <laughs> Yeah, we received 12 
total emergency alerts. And in the testimony that we heard, um, they said that it was a very quick, again, frantic process, but they had planned, they had done scenarios well before. Um, and there was an issue, though, where the RCMP released a photo that was labeled as Miles Sanderson, but it was actually someone else, someone with the same name from James Smith Creation. Um, so we were all operating on a different photo. They did issue a correction a few hours later, and uh, the incorrect photo was taken down from the RCMP site. This has been incredibly difficult over the course of, of this inquest to hear for the community and, and people who are connected with those who are killed to hear this testimony. And there has been frustration about the process around this as well. Have a listen to Daryl Burns speaking at a news conference last week. His sister, Lydia Gloria Burns, first responder, was killed by Miles Anderson. One of the things that I, I uh, look at this investigation is it's, it's, it's so rust. And for us, there's a lot of stuff there that is missing and was it rust because of the media was it rust because you know the justice system has never ever been kind to us native people so do we have faith in this justice system do we have faith in this i don't think we do sam how widespread is that that lack of faith in the community around this inquest yeah, and Daryl's been through so much. Um, it depends on who you speak with, I think. There are four families, including Daryl, who have standing, which basically mean they get to question the witnesses themselves. And we heard from Daryl and one other person that their questions just aren't being answered or that witnesses say, oh, someone else down the line will have a que- uh, an answer for that. So the expression they used was they feel like they're passing the buck. So the hope is that as we continue on with this testimony for the next two weeks, there will be answers. But yeah, already we're hearing from some people that not only are they not getting answers, but this process isn't helping because without those answers, they're just reliving the trauma that they went through. And and that's how I'll end. I mean, just very briefly, how are people holding up in the community? Well, what I'm seeing is a lot of support between um, one another. So lots of hugging and lots of sobbing. Um, But there are also a lot of cultural notes, for example, tobacco offerings at the photos of uh, all the people who died. Um, And so as tough as this is and as raw as this is, I'm seeing a lot of um, emotional support for, for families. That will be important as this continues. Sam, we'll leave it there. I appreciate you being here this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you. Sam Sampson is a reporter with CBC News. She was in Melford, Saskatchewan. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.